Sleep is so closely tied to our mental and emotional health. We know that sleep deprivation is a form of torture and prisoner of war camps. Why do they use it? Because sleep deprivation breaks down our mental, emotional, and physical health. But what do we see when babies and parents are sleeping well? When babies are sleeping well, according to research, they are less fussy, they're more adaptable, they're more approachable, they're more social, they eat better, they test higher in cognition, they have better immune system. The benefits of good sleep on a baby's developing body and brain, the list is endless. Let's talk about moms. Research shows that when moms are well-rested, they're more responsive, they're more emotionally available to their babies, they have less incidence of postpartum depression, anxiety, marital discord. And dads, I don't want to leave dads out here. There's so much research for dads now too. Dads can suffer from postpartum depression. And when they get good sleep, they're less likely to have anger and depression. Sleep is a biological necessity, right? That drive to sleep, it's biology. That sleep pressure is biology. How we get sleep is a learned skill. So if I've learned I have to sleep on the couch on my right side with the television on, that's a skill I've learned. The fact that I need sleep, that's biology. But how I got that sleep is a learned skill. We see that if we can work on sleep as infants and toddlers, it follows us our entire life. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. And I'm your host, Hannah Warren. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Living Centered Podcast. Today, I am going to introduce you to someone who quite literally changed my life. I know that's a bold statement, but she helped me through one of the hardest seasons, newborn motherhood. A few years ago, I was introduced to Kara from Taking Care of Babies, and I clung to her. I purchased her newborn sleep class when my daughter was a few weeks old. I was physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. I needed sleep, and she was my saving grace. Kara is a neonatal nurse, a wife to a pediatrician, a mom of four, and a baby and toddler sleep expert. There's a reason she has become a trusted voice for parents worldwide. She's on a mission to help babies and toddlers sleep so that families can thrive. She's a miracle worker. I loved this conversation, especially because I got to co-host with one of my favorites, on-site VP of Strategy and Business Services, Janet McDonald. The three of us talk all about sleep, attachment, mental and emotional health, and how to find self-care. I know everyone is going to get something out of this conversation. Kara also shares her own emotional wellness journey and how Onsite intersected with her personally and professionally, changing the way she leads her team. It's a powerful conversation, and I can't wait for you to meet my new friend, Kara. Kara, I'm so excited to be sitting with you today. I am so excited to be here with you, Mackenzie. Thank you for joining us at Onsite. We often encourage people not to lead out with what they do. It's actually one of the rules we have when people come and do a group program. Um, So I'd like to, before we jump into 
what you do, the human doing piece of you. I'd like to just kind of know like, who are you as a person? Maybe who are you at 12 before the world told you who to be? Oh, yes. Okay. So who I am, I am a person who loves people. I have always loved moms and babies. At 10, I told my grandma, I'm going to deliver babies. And truthfully, what I wanted to be my whole life was a mom. A mom. Mm. I was about moms and babies. And that's who I've been from a very young age. Give me a baby to hold. I was happy. So deep in my heart, moms and babies. That's, moms and babies. that's what I'm about. But beyond that, I love to laugh. I love heart-to-heart talks. I could eat chips and salsa on the daily. Let's see what else. I enjoy shopping, as long as it's not grocery shopping. And uh, water is my happy place. I love water skiing, being on a boat, long walks at the beach. Yeah, so that's who I am outside of what I do. I love when you can see threads of this is something I loved as a kid and now I can see it playing out. So tell us a little bit about the what of who you are and how you kind of took those early rumblings and early messages into serving people and doing what you do. Sure. So by trade, I'm a neonatal ICU nurse. I'm also a labor and delivery postpartum nurse. So my career has been about moms and babies. And, um, Not only that, I'm a wife of a pediatrician, I'm a mom of four, and I have become a baby and toddler sleep expert. And I kind of became this out of my own struggle. Mm. Like I said, my entire life, I wanted to be a mommy. That was my heart's desire. And here I was, finally, a mom. And I had this baby girl, baby nurse baby doctor. We have a baby girl who doesn't sleep. And we thought we would be like (laughs) the most incredible parents, right? We are the most well-equipped to handle this situation. Yes. Right. Right. We would be naturals. And we were during the day, but at night we were a hot mess. Fast forward eight months and this sweet, beautiful, incredible baby girl did not sleep. I was cranky. She was cranky. He was cranky. It was rough. And so I just knew if a baby nurse and a baby doctor were struggling like this, Mm -hmm. the rest of the world, maybe they were struggling too. So that really set me on this journey to figure out baby sleep. And once she began sleeping, I began sleeping. And I just watched how that changed our relationship, how it changed our marriage, our family, Mm. the attachment between my daughter and I. And I was able to become the mom that I knew I could be. And so that really set me on a passion to help other moms and dads. Gosh, I think that's amazing. You're talking to two people who are on different spectrums. So Mackenzie uh, has a new baby. Uh In it. uh, (laughs) You're in it. A baby, but she happens to be 21. But at the time I had her and she wasn't sleeping, we had awful resources for how to get them to sleep, right? And so I remember sitting outside her room, letting her cry herself to sleep, which I'm still, I'm sure, is impacting her today. So, how (laughs) did you finally like figure it out? What was the secret? You know, as, as a nurse, we're taught about evidence-based research, which means, Mm -hmm. okay, you look at the medical studies, look at the 
peer-reviewed journals. And what does the research say? And then you take the other part of evidence-based research is clinical expertise. Okay, I'm a nurse. I know babies. I'm a mom. I know this baby. And so you combine that. And so I started going, Kara, you know how to read these research studies. You know babies. You know this baby. How do we combine it? And how do we customize a plan, not for the world, but for Ella? And once I was Mm. able to do that, and I saw my biggest fear was, what if this broke our emotional attachment? I loved this baby girl more than anything else in the world. And, and yet, I was sleep deprived. And I knew, I knew the importance of sleep for the human body and yeah. the human brain and the developing body and the developing brain of an infant. And so we had to get sleep. So I knew there had to be a way. And so it was really about finding that for Ella that said, okay, if we can find it for Ella and customize it for Ella, I can help other parents find it and customize it for their baby too. Yeah. And you spoke about being worried about that attachment. As we've stated, I'm, I'm in it. And uh-huh. I have found that when I'm not sleeping, when we're having sleep struggles, I'm not showing up as my best mom. Like when I'm tired, I'm mean, I'm grouchy. And then it becomes this perpetual cycle I've seen in my home where the energy of our home is really frenetic and it's not good. And so the emotional state of my children is even like worse. And so can you speak to what you've seen in homes, even in your own home, like emotionally, mentally, even physically, what happens when sleep starts to get figured out? Sure. Sure. You've heard the phrase, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? We've heard that phrase. (laughs) Yeah. There's There's a reason for that. Because sleep is so closely tied to our mental and emotional health. We Mm. know that sleep deprivation is a form of torture in prisoner of war camps. Why do they use it? Because Mm. sleep deprivation breaks down our mental, emotional, and physical health, right? It is a form of torture. We can't survive without sleep. But let me tell you this. Our brains do something really amazing when we get sleep. Our brains have a part called the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. I promise I'm going to keep this interesting, okay? You are great. You already have it. No, 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 no. This is exciting. And if yeah. you can understand this, every time you're tired, you're going to get it. Okay, so the amygdala is in charge of your emotions. It tells your body, there's a threat. Here's a threat. And the prefrontal cortex says, oh, thank you for that warning. But I'm in charge of your rational brain, your executive functioning, and I'm going to help you handle the threat. So when we get good sleep, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex are in this beautiful dance. The amygdala goes, oh my gosh, there's a mountain in front of you. This is stressful. This is terrible. This is horrible. And the prefrontal cortex comes in and says, Hey, that thing that you think is a mountain is actually a molehill. We're just going to step right over it. Thank you for the threat, but we got this. But guess what happens when we're exhausted? Hmm. The amygdala and the prefrontal cortex can't talk to each other. And so we're tired. We're exhausted. And the amygdala goes, 
Mackenzie, horrible threat. Your baby only ate for 14 minutes and she's supposed to eat for 18 minutes. Horrible threat. Big mole. Big mouth. This is a bad thing. And the prefrontal cortex is over here going, Mackenzie, that's a little molehill, not a mountain. But we can't hear that rational thinking. So we get stressed and we get overwhelmed and we get anxious and mm-hmm. irritable and resentful and we start feeling this is terrible and so mm-hmm. that's what happens when we're not sleeping well the amygdala mm-hmm. and the prefrontal cortex stop talking and guess what a couple of days of that our anxiety starts rising and then tonight yeah. when you go to bed and you're like i know what i need i need good sleep well when we're anxious we can't sleep well yeah. So then we start in this cycle and a few days of that starts getting depressing because all we see is the negative. Mm. And so we've been there, right? When you don't sleep, how everything is a big deal and it's emotional and negative and terrible. And so I see these parents that are struggling and they're overwhelmed mm-hmm. and the prefrontal cortex, it's trying to talk, but it's silent. It's not talking to the amygdala. Yeah. but. But let's go back to what you asked. <laughs> but what do we see when babies and parents are sleeping well? Yeah. When babies are sleeping well, according to research, they are less fussy. They're more adaptable. They're more approachable. They're more mm. social. They eat better. They test higher in cognition. They have better immune system. The benefits of good sleep on a baby's developing body and brain, the list is endless. Let's talk about moms. Research shows that when moms are well-rested, they're more responsive. They're more emotionally available to their babies. They have Mm -hmm. less incidents of postpartum depression, anxiety, marital discord, right? So, and dads, I don't want to leave dads out here. There's so much research for dads now too. Dads can suffer from postpartum depression. And Mm. when they get good sleep, they're less likely to have anger and depression. So sleep Mm. really is the best thing for families. It's the best thing. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about the attachment and what happens when both the baby and the parents are sleeping. What happens with the attachment? Okay. So think about it just with your significant other, your partner, your spouse. When you've rested, you slept really good last night. You are more loving, more caring, Mm -hmm more open to bonding, right? Just think about it with your partner. Mm -hmm. Now think about when you didn't sleep so good. You're a little cranky. Mm -hmm. You're a little irritable. Mackenzie's getting a little needy. A little needy. (laughs) Mackenzie's moving around in her seat going, oh, that is how I am. A little anxious. A little anxious. in my home last night. No, no, we just, I've lived it. I've lived it. And so it's, it's hard. It's hard to be emotionally responsive when we're exhausted. And mm-hmm. it's the same. If that's how it is with our partners, it's also the same with our babies. It's yeah. harder to bond. It's harder to be responsive when we're exhausted. I want you to know something really important. So much research has been done that babies mirror us. Mm. We, they're simply a reflection of us. Um, when I teach classes, I'll walk into a room and this newborn baby is screaming, just crying. And I pick this baby up 
And I show the parents, okay, here are the tools. And this baby turns to butter, right? This baby stops crying yeah. and the parents are like, can you come home with us? <laughs> that would be you're me. The, you're the baby whisperer. And I say, okay, but parents, listen, listen, it's not about me. It's about the tools that I can teach mm-hmm. you. But also this baby knows I'm not rattled by her crying. Yeah. She is, she's marrying me. And what, what message am I giving to her? I'm giving, it's okay that you're upset. I'm here mm-hmm. for you. I'm going to be right here with you. You and I are in this together. We're going we're gonna to figure this out. You and I, we got this. Mm. And if, if you can mirror that to them, it might take a minute or five or yeah. 20, but pretty soon they're going to mirror that back to you. So it's so important as a parent to check in, to check mm-hmm. in on yourself, because often your baby's reflecting what you're feeling deep inside. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's amazing. Hey friends, Mackenzie here, popping in to talk about Onsite's flagship group experience, the Living Center Program. In this episode, Kara shares about her own Living Center program and how the experience impacted not only her personal life, but the way she leads. At Onsite, we often say you become a better leader by becoming a better human. The same can be true of every other role in your life. You become a better parent, friend, coworker, you name it, when you become a better human. Showing up for ourselves first gives us the ability to show up everywhere else we need to. The Living Center program is a six-day workshop led by expert therapists who will guide you in exploring, deconstructing, and rewriting your narratives. Our beautiful campuses and retreat-like settings allow you a break from your day-to-day distractions. This process provides the clarity needed to reestablish congruence between your feelings, values, and actions so that you might live a life more intentionally, meaningful, and on purpose. Learn more at experienceonsiteworkshops.com or connect with our team at 1-800-341-7432. You are worth it. What happens if, like me, you didn't figure that out when they were a baby and they get older and now you're still having some sleep issues and attachment issues and challenges. Right. I know you've been working on that too. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what can a parent do if you already feel like you've lost it? Okay. Yeah. So let me tell you the great thing about attachment is it's not a checklist of things to do Mm. in our culture today. That there's this misconception that attachment is about how you feed your baby, where yeah. your baby sleeps, how many hours a day you wear your baby. If you do X, Y, and Z, you will have a secure attachment. But when we look at attachment theory, that's not at all what attachment is really about. Attachment mm. is about a relationship. Attachment gives us so many chances. When a little one is attached, they know that someone in this world adores them, Mm. adores them. Imagine what that feels like to know somebody out there adores me. Mary Ainsworth, she's a psychologist back in the 60s who did all this research on attachment theory. She studied babies and moms in Uganda and in, in the United States. And the term she used 
was delight. She found Mm. that moms and babies who were securely attached delighted in one another. That's what they found. Mm. And so, so Janet, it's not a checklist. It's not a, "Mm, you missed the boat. Every day, it's a relationship. And it's not about doing it perfectly because a secure attachment is all about the repair. Can, Can I repair this? And it gives us chance after chance after chance to repair that. I will tell you, on the, in the sleep department, sleep is a biological necessity, right? That drive to sleep, it's biology. That sleep pressure is biology. How we get sleep is a learned skill. So if I've learned I have to sleep on the couch on my right side with the television on, that's a skill I've learned, mm-hmm. right? The, the fact that I need sleep, that's biology. But how I got that sleep is a learned skill. We see that if we can work on sleep as infants and toddlers, it follows us our entire life. Mm -hmm. But it's never too late to work on sleep. So let's (laughs) say there's a mom out there who's like, great, Kara. Like Mackenzie, she's got a four-month-old. So, okay, (laughs) I've got a a two-and-a-half-year-old or I've got a four-year-old. I'm here to say it's not too late. You can start today working on healthy sleep. Janet, I'm going to tell you with your 21-year-old, it's not too late. It's not too late. Okay? You never have to worry that, oh, Mm. I've ruined her forever. There are healthy sleep habits that you can start today. For example, and for a 21-year-old, this is really important. Okay, for a 31, 41, and 51-year-old, this is really important. 30 minutes before bedtime, get off your phone. Ugh, get yeah. off your phone. That That is huge. Set up the environment for sleep. Mm-hmm. We know that dark, cool, comfortable, humming with a sound machine or fan, mm-hmm. that sets us up mm-hmm. for sleep. Stopping caffeine after about 3 p.m., and, and you might need to watch that. Maybe it's after four for you. Maybe it's after noon for you. Like that's yeah. dependent. Alcohol. We think alcohol is going to make us like, oh, I'm going to sleep good t- tonight. It might help you fall asleep, but the research mm. shows it, it messes with the quality of your sleep. So, yeah. so, mm. so see, there's always things we can do to work on sleep. I, I don't care if you're four weeks old or four million weeks old. We can work on sleep. <laughs> I love that. Full disclosure, um, I am a huge fan of you, Kara. And so getting to sit down with you has been really great because I started using your course with my first daughter when she was a newborn. And I have done your newborn class and I've done your ABCs of sleep class and I've now done your toddler class. But what I, I will say it. is that it really challenged me to look at my own sleep hygiene and the way that I was curating an environment for my children to fall asleep and then just expecting myself to pass out. I'm like, oh, okay, I can just right. go to sleep now while looking at my phone, while being super stressed and not curating that environment for myself. And so I think, I hope that that's what everyone hears today is that just as you're going to curate an environment and have good sleep hygiene and habits. Um, and I would almost say like, we're diligent about sleep in our house. Like uh-huh. we make sure you get it, do it for yourself too, because you right. deserve that as much as, 
you know, you're providing it for someone else. I just wanted to have that little caveat for everyone that your sleep also matters. So Janet, I think I interrupted you. No, that's great. I was going to ask because both of you, I just have one child. So -hmm. both of you have multiple children and I know that I've heard that they all have different personalities and they all respond in a different way. Would that be the same with sleep? I mean, are Mm. there different tools and techniques you use with different children that are more effective or less effective? You know, it's about meeting them where they are developmentally. And so when, for example, Mackenzie talked about my newborn class, we don't sleep train newborns. It's just not developmentally appropriate, but we can begin laying a healthy sleep foundation. And, and it's what Mackenzie was talking about, that healthy sleep foundation. Now, one baby may take to it, and I'll have moms write in, Kara, my nine-week-old is sleeping nine hours every night. It's glorious. It's wonderful. And that's how they respond to it. And I may have another parent write in and say, Kara, my nine-week-old, I took your class, and my nine-week-old still eats twice in the night. But let me tell you, she eats, we're up for about 15, 20 minutes, and she goes right back to sleep. And so personalities, temperaments, Mm -hmm. genetics, it can all play into it, but it really is about implementing Mm -hmm. healthy habits. It's about healthy habits. So then when we look at older babies, okay, let's say a nine-month-old. We know no nine-month-olds are exactly the same. Even identical twins, they're, they're not identical in every way, okay? So they will respond differently. And that's why I find it's so important to help parents customize it to their child. Because mm-hmm. I believe parents are the expert of that child. I may be an expert in baby sleep and I can tell you, okay, developmentally, this is where most nine month olds are. Here are ways to respond, but we have to look at the holistic picture of this Mm -hmm. baby. And what we have to do is then go, okay, mommy or daddy, you know, this baby better than anybody else on the planet. I'm going to give you methods that work for nine month olds. You pick what's very best for your baby, your mm-hmm. family, and the three of you. That's great. And I know when they become toddlers, you have a formula for the things you need to focus on, which I think would be great for people to hear and sort of how you got there uh, mm-hmm. in terms of that. Can I tell you guys that when I started taking care of babies, keep in mind, it's taking care of babies. There's no toddlers in that name, right? No, taking not at all. care of babies. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, the toddler years were the hardest years of my life. They were so hard. the hardest years of my life. <laughs> and I also love the toddler years. Yeah. But babies, like I said, it's, it's pretty, development is pretty predictable. Also predictable in the toddler years. But they start having little opinions, and autonomy. toddlers, autonomy, yeah. that's right. They're natural oh. born boundary pushers. They yeah. are. And so our job as the parent mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to provide firm, loving boundaries. And toddlers, 
you think they want to be in control because they're constantly pushing those boundaries, they are begging for you to be in control. And so yeah. if, if we can remember firm, loving boundaries, we're going to allow them to test, but we're in charge. We're in charge of those boundaries. And the same applies for sleep. You know, they get out of bed 372 times. We are walking them back to that bed 372 times because the boundary is it's bedtime and your body needs sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, since I've got an expert right in front of me, I want to yes. ask a question that has interested me. So I had heard when I had my child about the terrible twos uh-huh. and I got through two well and I'm like oh there's no problem I'm magical and then I did get this. To, then I get to three and that's where the wheels fall off the bus right so is there <laughs> such a thing as the terrible foods or that's just a old wives tale I mean Janet they don't call them three nagers for nothing <laughs> three, <laughs> three going on 16 that's right three going on 16 you know I, I, I have to it. tell you I think do you, do you have one of those, Mackenzie? I do. They're just more verbal. They, they're mm-hmm. able to articulate exactly what they think and how they feel. And that's not a bad thing. We, I want to raise a child who will walk yes. into this world and know what they want and know how to articulate it to the world, right? Yeah. It's just hard when we're the one in charge of those <laughs> firm, loving boundaries. <laughs> Uh, my partner always says, we told her her voice mattered, and she took us at our word. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mackenzie, yes, yes. talk about that. That's something I teach. Oh. Your voice matters. Yeah. I think I just continue, like, with my daughter, I want her to be able to go out into the world, like you're saying, and believe in herself. I got some advice early on in parenting that you're raising, te- like, you're raising adults, right? And I want to have... Mm-hmm a well-formed adult. And if I've done my job well, I've created independence for her and an ability for her to go out and do that. But it's a little hard when you tell them their voice matters and then they use that voice to tell you, no way. That's my daughter's uh, new thing right now is to say no way. And she's very verbal. Um, And you were talking about just mirroring back to her and Mm -hmm. in babies. And I'm realizing that right now, even with my toddler. And I heard someone say a few months ago, that there was a therapist who said, people don't come to me because of all my training or my schooling or anything like that. They come to sit in a room with someone who has a regulated nervous system for an hour. Mm, so good. And I took a deep breath and I was like, yes. So how do I do the work on my own end to have a regulated nervous system? And, and also use my own voice the same way. Like how do I model that to her of using my voice? It's about sitting in a room with someone with a regulated nervous system. And so I would love to talk about that. Let's say, you know, a new mom or a new dad is listening. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Kara, Kara just told us that like lack of sleep messes up this amygdala prefrontal cortex thing. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I have a new baby. I have a new baby. And I know in those first several weeks and even a couple months, this baby needs to eat every few hours in the night. Right. So So what do we do? First off, if you're a new parent listening, something amazing happens after this baby. Four glorious hours feels amazing. You you feel like if I could just get four hours. Yes, if I could get four hours of sleep, 
it's amazing, right? And that's not sustainable for months on end, but in the beginning, it really is. But a regulated nervous system, what can we do as new parents? I think it's about prioritizing self-care. If, mm-hmm. if I can have a new parent prioritize self-care, it changes everything. And I think we say self-care and that means, oh, she needs to go to the spa or get a pedicure or, and really self-care is about prioritizing our physical, our mental, our emotional, our social, our spiritual needs. And if Mm -hmm. we can prioritize that, that's how we get that regulated nervous system for our children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about what those early days for you kind of looked like and maybe um, take us into your emotional health journey. It's really difficult in those early days to do that. And I've heard you talk about how those early days were hard. And maybe even when your fourth child came along, I know that you uh, struggled with postpartum depression. And so I'd just love to hear Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Yes. Okay. So I found out I was pregnant with my fourth when my third was 10 weeks old. 10 weeks. Let that just settle in. Wow. Right? Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm high I thinking about it. I, I mean, I'm sweating just talking about it right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. And let me tell you, sweet Charlie, if you're listening, you're the best little blessing a mama could ever ask for. Okay. But those were hard days. I had a six-year-old. Yeah. I had a three-year-old. I had a 10-week-old. And here came another one. And I just... Self-care wasn't, uh, I didn't know anything about that. And I should, I I look back and I'm like, Kara, how did you not know this? But Mm -hmm. Charlie's 15 and we didn't have people on social media talking to us and we didn't have podcasts to turn on and say, hey moms, you got to prioritize yourself because you can't help them if you're not helping yourself. And so I was Mm. truly... I guess I knew from my nurse training about postpartum depression, but I guess I thought it looked like crying in a corner. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't my experience. I wasn't crying in a corner. I was angry and I was resentful and I was hyper focused on my house being clean. You want to see a house that's not clean, walk into a house with a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-week-old, and see what a mess it is. And meanwhile, my husband would leave us each morning to go to work and take care of other people's babies. That's what pediatricians do, right? And so I was like, how dare you leave us? (laughs) I was so angry and resentful and and that was anxiety and probably depression and I needed help, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know how to get it. You're just depleted. Yeah. Yeah. I was depleted. And, and so, um, what I tell new parents or expecting parents, if you are an expectant parent, here you go, find your due date and look at the calendar four to six weeks out. Here's what I want you to do. Make an appointment with three people four to six weeks after your due date, one with your therapist one with your hairdresser and one with a friend who makes you laugh. Yeah. That is going to be a lifeline for you four to Mm. six weeks after you deliver. I was surprised to hear you say, and I've just never thought about it, that the husbands and fathers can also have postpartum depression. I had never 
that's the today's the first time I've even thought yes. about that. Yes, it really it, it's so true. Um, and we know adoptive parents can have it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not uh, hormones play into it, but it's so much bigger than than just the hormones. And and dads, even in research, dads kind of got forgotten a little bit, mm-hmm. but this is a big deal to them too. But what I'm learning are dads are like, well, Kara, actually she was feeding the baby and I was the one watching your class and I was hanging on every word. And, and I see so often they're trying, they're trying mm-hmm. so hard and, and their worlds are rocked and, yep. and they, they feel like, and they're tired too. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of dads, like I, there's a meme where like, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I just want to sleep like my husband. Yeah. And I used to think it was really funny until I started meeting more and more dads who were like, you know, I'm trying really hard to be supportive. And I, if she's up, I want to, I want to help too. And, and I'm going to work in the morning. And so they really can. Dads are impacted too. And so self-care is important for them as well. Mm-hmm. And if I can get parents to realize you're on the same team, yeah, you're on the same team. My husband and I used to have whisper fights at 3 a.m. I, The baby would wake up and I was instantly mad at him. Like, he woke her up or something. I, I don't know why I needed to be mad at somebody. And you look like a really good person to be when mad, at, mad right? at that baby. I literally <laughs> told my best friend this morning, cause she has a three week old and she uh-huh. was so mad at her husband. And I said, you're doing great. Nobody's relationship is safe at 3am. Like exactly. that's just, there's an equalizer. And if you are in a relationship and you have a partner who wants to be committed and you are a feeding mother, you know, that's a whole thing. And I also think about in this realm, like there are people who are doing this alone. This is work that is important and not always aided by the aid of a partner. So I just want to speak that out too. If you're listening today and saying, okay, that's great. Self-care sounds great, but I have this added layer. Just know that we see you and you're doing really great work single parents. We see you. We see you and you are doing the hardest job there is. So how do you get self-care? How do you, maybe you're a single parent or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom with lots of little kids or how do you take care of yourself? Dana, do you feel like you took care of yourself early in those days without? Uh, I was I was super fortunate as a single parent to have a village who yeah. were willing and I took advantage of the village. I really yeah. had to uh call out to them the next morning and say, I haven't slept all night, I need some help, somebody please come help and and I was fortunate to have that. Um and I think you've got to sort of find a village and and, of people who will help you Mm -hmm. was my experience. I could have never done it alone for sure. I mean, totally alone, but I, I, at night, I had you were alone alone at night. Yeah, I was alone at night. Uh, So I guess I saved myself getting mad at somebody because who was I going to get mad at but myself. But I, Kara, what else would you say for the single parents that would be helpful? I would say, Search for things, little things you can do that fill your cup, that take care of you. Little things like get outside, go for a walk. We know that being outside 
lifts our mood. Well, I, I was reading a study where it said the sound of birds lifts our mood. So just get outside, breathe in the fresh air. And I get it. You can't always, I live in Phoenix and had a baby in June. By the time she was a month old, it was 120 degrees out, right? (laughs) Like us getting outside, we were going to melt. And maybe, maybe you live in Minnesota and you're having a baby in the middle of January, right? Okay. Open the door and stand on your balcony or just open the door and breathe it in for a second. That fresh air does so good. And if you can't open the blinds, open the blinds and see outside because daylight, not only does it lift our mood, but little ones who are exposed to daylight during the day sleep better at night. That's a fact. So, so little things like that. Here's the other thing. Change your clothes. I I know that seems like, wait, that's self-care. Yes. I don't care if you're changing from leggings you slept in to leggings you're in during the day, change leggings. Brush your hair, even if that means it's going right back up in the same messy bun. <laughs> That's okay. Get it. Get another messy bun in there. Just brush your hair. It, it really does change things. So, um, words of wisdom that I give to new parents, a new mom. Put a notebook next to on your counter and make a list. And so think of like, what do I need? Ask yourself, what do I need? You know what I need? I need some cucumbers and celery and red peppers cut up and put in my fridge. Write that down. What else do I need? I need toothpaste. We're about out of toothpaste. Write that down. Because like you said, Janet, it takes a village. And people who love you want to help you. And you're going to hear so often, hey, do you need anything? And in that moment, uh, do I need anything? Uh, what do I need? <laughs> you can go to your list and you can say, I would love some cucumbers for my fridge. Janet, if a new, if a friend of yours had a new baby and you said, can I get you anything? And she said, I would like cucumbers cut up in my fridge. Would you cut up six oh, dozen cucumbers and have totally. it in your fridge? Exactly. Totally. So people who love us want to help us. But we don't know how to ask for what we need. Sometimes just having a notebook and writing yeah. down what we need helps us. That mm. is so great. You, in addition to being a sleep expert, you clearly, even in talking to you today, and I know in uh, all of the resources you provide, you are as interested in the mental health of the parents and mm-hmm. uh, the individual. And so tell us a little bit more about, I think I would be interested in talking about how you got to know Onsite and Mm -hmm. your own sort of mental health journey and and what that means to you, because I know it's important to you. Sure. Um, I kind of believed that therapy counseling was something you did or went to when life got really bad. If you had Mm -hmm. a major crisis, then that seek help and go to therapy. Well, as life would have it, life happened and I ended up in therapy. And and isn't life wonderful? Because here's what I found in doing therapy. I liked what I saw. I liked who I was better when I was in touch with my emotional health. I was Mm. more self-compassionate which meant I was more compassionate with others. I was 
more emotionally present. I was self-aware. I like that. I was like, oh, this is about maintenance, not about crisis management. And Mm -hmm. I just have to tell you, oh, I am a big proponent. It's like, let's go. When you find out the potential of who you can be, it's really good. I highly recommend mm. it. I highly recommend it. Can, can I tell you my connection with on-site? That would yes. be great. So I am, I am on this emotional health journey and I like, oh, this connection to my own heart. Well, I have a team at Taking Care of Babies. I have a team of 40 women and we all work remotely. My team lives all over the United States and two mm-hmm. of them are in Canada. We had never all been in the same room together. I mean, Zoom, but never all in the same room. And this was even pre-pandemic. You had this type oh, of setup. Yeah. The, the pandemic changed nothing. Like we were like, oh, yeah, this, it was is just how, the same. this is how we do life. Like this, this was Got nothing it. for us. Like we had never been in the same room. So I decided last October, that's it. I'm going to have a conference for my team. And then I started thinking and I was like, you know, we are so good with education, right? Like uh, my team, baby and toddler sleep, my team knows it. So rather than a conference, I wanted a retreat. I wanted us to come together and relax and refill and recharge so that they could go home and pour out to their families and to the families we serve. Uh, Like, okay, let's come together, fill up so that we can go pour out to others. So I was on this mission, like, okay, I'm going to find some really great speakers for our retreat. So I reached out to my friend, Bob Goff. If you know Bob Goff, like he is a dynamic speaker and he can Mm -hmm. refill any heart. And so Bob says to me, yes, Kara, I'm available on Saturday for your retreat, but Thursday and Friday, I have commitments. I can't be there. Okay, Bob, uh, do you have any recommendations? And he says, how about Miles Adcox? And he starts telling me about Miles and, oh, he's, you know, on site. I'd love to meet him, Bob. Okay, so Miles and I, we connect. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I I, I like this guy. I think I I wanted an experiential, does this make sense, an experiential experience for my team? (laughs) And he said, "I I can provide that, Kara, and I'll bring my team to work with Yes, yes. I'll bring my team to work with your team. And and he did. And he, he agreed to that. But he said, hey, Kara, I have a request. Sure, Miles, anything. What, what's your request? Before I come talk to your team, will you come out to Tennessee and um, go to Living Centered at Onsite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Living, Living Centered Pro. Oh, okay. I mean, if that's what you need from me, Miles, I can do that. I mean, you know, all right. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know you check your phone in day one and you don't get it for five or six days. (laughs) You don't know. I am the CEO of my company. Like, you just want me to get, do you know I use my phone for social media? You want me to just turn that in? Miles, you don't know what you're asking. And I have to tell you. Living Centered Program ranks in the top 10 of my life, Mm -hmm. all-time life experiences. It was life-changing. 
I went thinking I'm going there because Miles wants me to experience this for my team. And I left going, that was the greatest thing I ever did for myself. Hmm. It was that good. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. Well, I had the pleasure of being there with your team, and I love mm-hmm. that you stop to think about them and refilling their buckets mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that they could really continue to do the great work they do with parents. And mm-hmm. I hope that that experience was great for them and that it's uh, continued to pay rewards out. But just the mere fact that a CEO of a company would stop and say, let me care for my team. Let's do this retreat. Let's not talk about work. Let's talk about each other was Mm -hmm. amazing uh, to me. It was so good. Janet, thank you for being there. Our team, it was, it was so good. So good. I mean, we're just begging to do it again. (laughs) We need to get together again. That was so good. But can I tell you that when, when you do your emotional work, it changes you as a leader Mm. too. So let's say there's a CEO or a manager or, you know, somebody out there, like as a leader, it changed me from the inside out. I, I'm a get her done kind of girl. Productivity is my middle name. Like how can we get the most things done in a day. Like that's who I am. And as I began this journey to emotional health, Mm -hmm. I realized I was trying to do all and be all at my company. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was the face of the company, but I also did the books and, oh, social media manager. Yeah, I, I've hired one, but I, I kind of hold that. And I'm the manager of mm-hmm. people and I'm the content expert and, and the writer and the editor and the vision caster and the driver and, the, and I held it all. And here's mm. what I realized as I, as I held it all in trying to be the best at all the things, I was really the best at none of the things because I was exhausted. I was burnout. Mm-hmm. I was self-critical and I was really critical of the people on my team. So mm. as I became more self-aware, I started going, okay, Kara, what of this do you need to hold? What are you called to do in this world? What of the, there's a lot of things going on here. What do you need mm-hmm. to hold? And I held that and I started letting go of all these other things, which was hard mm. for me. Because I really trusted myself that like, I'm really good at these things. But as I let go of these things, I saw my team rise and grow. Mm. It, wasn't, it wasn't long before I started looking around. I was surrounded by people who were better than me at their jobs. Yeah. And as a leader, can I tell you, when you are secure in who you are and what you do, And you can look around and see, I have a whole team and they are better at their jobs than me. (laughs) Wow. That means you can be the best of the best in your industry (laughs) because you don't have to hold it all. You don't have to be the end all be all because they are rising and growing. So Mm. leaders do your work. It changes you from the inside out. It changes your company. Yeah, and we okay. say it on site that you become a better leader, a better partner, a better parent, a better everything when mm-hmm. you become a better human, and it starts with the work. The right. one thing, too, that I witnessed uh, in our time with you was you 
people need to be seen, heard, and valued. And you let them be seen, heard in a way that gave them agency, gave them a sense of ownership and responsibility. And you could just see them light up as you were giving them time. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. amazing. Really speaks so highly of the culture that you've built in the organization as well. Thank you, Janet. I think we often talk here, there's this tension and this belief that we have to choose between caring for our people and profits. Um, And I would just love if you would maybe speak to, do you think that that's true? Or have you seen by investing in your people uh, that profits actually increase or you're able to, like you were saying, people are better at their jobs and you're going to have a better impact on your bottom line. Um, I just love to hear you speak to that a little bit. You know, um, I've never been a money motivated person. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm a nurse. And so yeah. in, in nursing school, I worked in the emergency department, but I didn't know when they checked in, if they had insurance, if they didn't have it, like, I just knew take care of the one in front of yeah. you. Yeah. Take care of the one in front of you. And that has just been with me the whole, the whole way. I've never had a business class. I've never had a business plan. I've never had a business, anything. I literally just loved the one in front of me. And I know that sounds flowery and wonderful and like, uh, but, but truly that is how I've grown my business. Just Mm -hmm. anticipating the needs of the one in front of you. And I think when we're loving our team, it trickles down. And so Mm -hmm. let's say I've got somebody getting on the phone with a mom who is struggling. And so one of the members of my team is getting on the phone. But I poured into my manager and my manager has poured into her. She can then pour out to that mom or dad that she's on the phone with. So, and then that mom walks away going, taking care of babies has changed my life because Mm -hmm. we're pouring into people. And in the end, it may not be, uh, I want to say, we give the best advice. We're helping parents find the right answer for their baby. But more than that, that mom, that dad walked away going, I'm the best mom for my baby. And, and she, that, that woman on the phone made me feel that. Mm-hmm. And that's life changing. And, and I've always kind of stood by, I, I have classes to help your babies and toddlers sleep. If you buy my class and it doesn't change your life, email in within 30 days, I'll give you every penny back. If I can't change your life, I don't it's a big promise. Money. It's a big promise. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. But yeah. when you understand the science, the research behind sleep, yeah. once you get it, it's life changing. It's life changing. Totally. So, mm. so yes, loving people changes the bottom line. Absolutely. That's so it does. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much uh, for this time that you spent with us today, Kara. It has been yes. really encouraging and I've loved to hear your story and I've loved just the work that you're doing and, as we round out, we often ask um, for you to share one practice that keeps you centered. So what is a practice that keeps you, Kara, centered? The one thing that keeps me centered, hmm, I'd say starting each day with quiet time and intention. You know, no phone, the computer is shut down, just quiet. I like taking a few minutes and writing down things I'm grateful for because I've learned that gratitude is the antidote for anxiety. 
And then I pray. For me, that that really helps. This practice is simple, but it's a reminder that I only get one shot at today. So let's live it to the fullest. I've learned that you find what you're looking for. And so yeah. I, I try to look for things that make life really, really good. It changes you. Mm. Yeah. That makes me think of you, Janet. You often talk about uh, celebrating the miracles and anticipating the miracles, right? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. And we uh, are just rooting you on and cheering you on here at OnSite. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.